Rachel, welcome to the <laughs> podcast. I am so excited to have you here. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I'm like ecstatic to be a guest on this podcast and to be part of this venture. It's so exciting for me. It's it's kind of crazy to be sitting here because back in like 2020 we had like had extensive discussions about starting a podcast together. Yeah. <laughs> so here we are 4 years later actually <laughs> sitting down and doing it, but it's really exciting and I have been looking forward to this episode for a long time because we have a lot of lists of very um very exciting oh, yeah. topics and if you hear Luma, she of course is here too. Yes. Making herself <laughs> known to the world. <laughs> Seriously. Not around until we started recording this. Then you show up, huh, Looms? She, huh? she loves some attention. Um, so let's like back up to the very beginning and just like for some context. Do you want to explain how we know each other and how we met each other? Yes. Yes. So you and I met, I believe, first at the career fair at Mac, right? Yeah, like way back 2019. 2019. Wow. I'm I'm you're going to have to keep me honest in dates because I cannot believe it was that long ago or that little ago. Like at the same time, I don't know, I feel like I've known you for 10 years, but we met at the Mac career fair because I was recruiting for our company that we used to work at. Um, so I met Liv at the Mac career fair and then, um, eventually hired her into our very small satellite branch of our company that we worked at together. Yeah. And it's crazy. Cause I, I think I'd seen the job before I went to the career fair and the career fair was at McAllister, which was my school, but I remember being, I was like the first person there. Mm-hmm. You guys hadn't even set up yet. I was probably so annoying. <laughs> you, guys were, you and Zoe were still trying to put up the booth and I was like, hi, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Me. Actually though, it was nice to know. Cause you never know, like when you go to those events, like if anyone's going to show up and be interested in what you're talking about, like you always see those like sad booths <laughs> where no one is there. Yeah. <laughs> like that's maybe what I thought was going to happen, but Um, it, those days actually were so busy. Like I remember like needing a hot tea and some honey, like coming home those nights. Yeah. It was a lot of talking. Yeah. And it was kind of the beginning of when our company, I guess you guys, I mean, it was so new. Like the person that had started the satellite office had just moved out there like what a year before. So you guys really hadn't started recruiting at the school I went to so it was kind of like the first year of that and since then I think they've done like a more continued effort to recruit because I think the background of you know how the liberal arts education fits really well with that job but I just remember having this like weird premonition as I was walking up like of course you always want to think like oh yeah I have this in the bag and I'm gonna Mm -hmm. get this job but I just had this like gut feeling that I like would get Mm -hmm. the job and that I was not going up there to like you know, mix and mingle in like a professional sense. But I was like, these people are going to be my friends. Yeah. Yeah. And then like four years later, I like walked down the aisle with you at your wedding. Yeah. And it's like, (laughs) it's just crazy. I know. I am like beyond grateful that we cross paths because I feel like 
less alone like in the world with your friendship because we're so similar in so many ways that like I personally I always felt different than other people like growing up and so like it's so soothing to my soul to have found someone who's like so similar to me in a lot of like kind of like offbeat ways that I haven't found other people similar to me in those ways yeah I think the way we like process problems or just think about things in general are very similar and especially as we are going through like we'll talk about we joke about being trauma bonded (laughs) it's not really (laughs) a joke (laughs) it's it's not really a joke Um, but we laugh now yeah but I think it's just very validating especially when you're going through an experience like that together yeah and then you think this like the same way Mm -hmm. um because especially when you're being a gaslit like all constantly yeah at all times um I just really appreciate like that support and we've had a lot of long discussions yeah I maybe should apologize for hiring you in like I won't but maybe I should like (laughs) well I mean I feel like I don't know how you feel I don't regret at all that job I mean obviously there's stuff that we both had to work through like emotionally afterwards just because of stuff but I think the leg up I got and the experience we got a lot of experience like really fast yeah I think yeah that company had a model where they hired people in with the idea that they were going to train them that you were coming in fairly untrained and they were essentially going to mold you and I think the benefit of choosing a company like that is also like because they're bringing in new people they're also trying to hire cheaply and kind of mold us in and so like in that regard we had a lot more like power and decision making and we we had to make things work a little bit more than like if you had started at like a fortune 500 company or somewhere where there's like a lot of foot soldiers to do a bunch of things there wasn't anyone at our company it was literally us yeah and there we were in a satellite office too so we were working at a co-working space downtown. So there was a lot of other companies around us, yeah. but it was just, you know, our boss and then Rachel, I, and our friend Zoe yeah. in this little <laughs> office Yes, on the 27th floor. <laughs> yes. <laughs> day in and day out. Day in and day out. I will say though, like I definitely miss aspects of it now that I work like from home permanently. Oh, really? Um, the gourmet breakfasts, oh. the snacks, it was bougie. It was bougie. I mean, it kind of ruined me coming yeah. straight out of college and I'm like dang like the charcuterie boards and the happy hours yeah it was a very bougie co-working space yes it was it was like the the classic like 2019 was like the height of I feel like the co-working spaces and they really delivered at the place that we were at I mean it was like god the, like the bagels and the oh, like the constantly like new unique local like like very bespoke beverages like it was just so bougie and nice and just fun especially for like some of our first jobs because right. that was only my second job actually so yeah I remember um Brett and I would commute to work together and I would say oh yeah it's like pastry day <laughs> he would <laughs> he would like come up and like get a pastry because it was like it was so nice and it was like free yeah um but yeah it was like definitely a very interesting experience especially because I haven't worked in an office since and so I'm like it was just weird like I've never worked in one office where like everyone worked at the same company yeah that's crazy because I very much like 
because you graduated 2019 yeah yeah and I graduated 2016 and coming out of 2016 like remote work was not really a thing Mm -hmm. at that time like it was it like it was something that I was like I probably will have to be in an office building things like that and and just had that expectation coming out and so like when I landed in the co-working space I was probably having the same experience as you where I was like oh my god this is so nice because the job that I was at previously my commute was easily 45 minutes without traffic and yeah and then it was like very just like scary and you come and you sit at your desk and you don't leave and it's very like I hate the phrase nine to five because today in today's world it's always like eight to five eight to six but like it was a very like traditional work vibe and I remember hating it and wanting out and then getting to the co-working space and just being like life can be like this and I feel like every job subsequently have had little revelations like that yeah and it was like a very interesting structure too because I never met like my manager Uh in person and so I think when the pandemic hit and there was that transition I was like chilling yeah because I was like I mean I miss like working with you and Zoe in the office but I had only ever worked with most people like remotely over yeah like zoom and stuff and so in my job now like I have met my boss um but it's very like normal for me because that's all I've ever known in my career I never had to like go to the office like you've had prior experiences and then since then but I didn't even think about that for you so like wow the co-working did kind of simulate that do you think about like one day I might have to go into an office or is it just like off the table for you like you're never going to I don't think it's off the table, but it's just so normal now to like have opportunities where you don't need to do that. Mm -hmm. I think it would be a good thing for me to do because I think at this point I've gotten very like feel safe and secure in Mm -hmm. my own home just working. Yeah. Um, And there's benefits of that for sure. But I think it would be good to just push myself outside of my comfort Mm -hmm. zone and be in person. But I never want to be full time in person. Yeah. No. Like, there are certain luxuries, like, rolling out of bed and going to your desk. Like, yeah. I'm spoiled, and I'm that's where I'm at. Yeah. <laughs> I would say it's highly overrated. I think, like, when our parents were going, like, working and in person, and maybe not even our parents, maybe, like, the generation in between them, like, I feel like they had reason and purpose to be in the office, but now it's just shifted so much that, like, I feel like it's so forced now having worked at a company that went remote during the pandemic. And then also speaking of (laughs) someone just called me working at a place that was like an office that was very formal. Yeah. Broke off for the pandemic and then tried to like artificially push people back in and it got super messy for them. I know. And for all of the like workers and just the vibe there in general. Yeah. After return to work was like pushed. I think, you know, for me right now, it doesn't make a difference. Like everyone I work with pretty much is remote. Like my main team is all over the country. 
Yeah. Um, my boss is in Tacoma. Our boss is in Austin, Texas. Yeah. Someone's in LA. Someone's in New York. So literally we span the entire country. Yeah. Um, but I will say there is days like everyone that's my age pretty much. And like my demo at my company works at the office in New York and they're not mm. full time, but they will go into the office like two days a week and oh. they all sit together and they have lunch together. Um, and it would be really nice to like have that. Like I yeah. try to make a conscious effort to have coffee chats with them and just to like have that time. Yeah. But it's different. It's, you know, it's, it's not different. spontaneous. It's much more like planned and it feels, it can feel like another meeting. Yeah. Uh, like even if you're not intending it to be, it can feel like that. Right. Like there has to be an agenda and then like action <laughs> item. <laughs> Put a pin in this. <laughs> Put we'll a circle back it. next coffee chat. I just, I guess I, I do that as well. I work remotely currently and I've worked, I've worked the whole gamut of like fully in person working in the office where you're supposed to be. I've also worked at, like we were talking about the satellite office where it was like mostly remote, but you still had to be in person. And then I worked at following that. Well, actually over the pandemic. Um, and then that was an intense period do we I mean we can talk about that yeah I actually do want to talk about that because one of the main things I want to talk about was knowing when to leave a job (laughs) um and being able to discern between when something's challenging you and you're growing and it's a good challenge versus when it's giving you trauma (laughs) and you need to get over the guilt of leaving it yeah um and I know we both have extensive experience in this realm because we're very similar yes yes 110 percent. where where do you want to start which traumatic place Let, do you want might to as start? well start at the beginning all right so yeah rachel and i were working together this was pre-pandemic we're in the office yeah um we had gone through some layoffs at our company luckily not us but because of that there was a really heavy workload and rachel I guess you were technically my manager. I mean, you were, you (laughs) trained me in. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there was a lot of very stressful, very long days. We were the people that were on the screen before people knew how to do hybrid really well. And so I feel like we were always, they were like, come to this like lunch and learn. And it was like, us blown up giant on these two TV screens. (laughs) Do you remember that? And just being like, they probably can see every pore. And also like, you're not a part of those conversations. I feel like being the remote person in a hybrid meeting is, it takes a special person in person to bring those people in. Yeah, absolutely. And so at that point, I think we and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we're both people that are very loyal mm-hmm. and we're also like, okay, this is really hard right now and it's draining me. But at least for me, I'm like, but that must mean it's good that I'm growing and it's, yeah. you know, and it's really hard to let go. Um, and so I think we both like suffered through that and for far too long, far too long. Yeah. Cause I was there from 2017. So I worked at a recruiting firm my first year out of school and then 2017 I was hired in. So I was about two years in when you came in and yeah. yeah. And it was, I remember Zoe is actually like the real reason that I quit was because Zoe, the friend that we worked with is like just 
very intuitive emotionally and she just like is so great at recognizing like when something is not right for her or is not serving her and she's very good at just setting it down and walking away versus I feel like you and I tend to make the like maybe like incorrect assumption that it's something that we haven't figured out yet and that it might get better if we put more and more of ourselves into it and so I feel like that's part of it 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 was so self-inflicted at times for us of just like thinking that like we're not adequate and I think we just have personality types that maybe believe that more readily right so I think I'm trying to think about the timeline, but maybe you were there like three or four more months after Zoe left. What was that final moment of like, okay, because seeing Zoe leave, you're like, okay, I can leave. I have autonomy in this. But what was that moment of like, okay, I'm going to actually do this myself and I'm going to pull the trigger on it. Yeah, it was actually like, so I think Zoe had been interviewing and she had let us know like, hey, I'm interviewing places. I'm looking to get out. And I had this interview with her current company that or maybe it was two companies ago and she was like I'm getting strong feelings I'm probably gonna leave so she was giving us the heads up if I remember correctly and I just remember being sad because like she was amazing and also simultaneously having this feeling of like relief for her at getting out and also just like then also tertiary emotion third emotion of like being mad or disappointed at myself that I that I've been accepting this for so long I've just been thinking that like I'm not good enough I can't cut it here yeah I I remember distinctly feeling like sad that she was leaving relief that she was getting out and like also just like confusion of like why am I putting up with this I don't know about about you but it was it was I mean like when we like we are both I think I can safely say hard workers and I feel like we were working like candle was burnt on both ends like there was no wax left in the middle with what we were doing I mean we were managing up to like six or seven projects at a time and then when the layoffs came it was even more and so it was like I don't even remember half that time because we were just working so much and so often and then also like so the schedule is brutal which you know it is just true I think for a lot of millennials out there um and younger millennials um when we entered the workforce but then it was also just brutal from like a judgment and training standpoint because your training was always live like it was never like a practice thing it was always like on the go and so like you're learning how to do it and also there was a ton of pressure around doing it under a certain amount of time or within a certain amount of time there was like very strict project processes oh my god to the day there is things that I incorporate in my job now because I think that there's definitely some positive takeaways from that like I think right that we learned a lot from those roles and we've learned really good project management skills because to keep eight plates spinning eight projects going at a time 
you have to be like that. That's the only way to be. But then I feel like when something fell behind, the project process was almost like weaponized against us of like, well, this was supposed to be done on like day 10. Did you do this on day 10? It's like, no, I did it on day 11 because I had these other seven projects that took precedence. But I, I still feel like there was a lot of like weaponization of that. Like it wasn't just like a guide. It was like a process that you had to follow. It was like yeah. a duty. <laughs> what advice would you give to someone that's leaving their current position or feels like they need to and have kind of come to that point? But you talked about feeling like a failure. So kind of having more positive self-talk and giving yourself grace for doing something that you need to do for your own mental health and accepting that it doesn't make you a failure to move on into a different position if something's not a fit for you. Yeah, I have so many thoughts about this. I love this question, but I like, I think the biggest thing for me is getting other people's perspectives and understanding like what other people are going through in their jobs. And like I was constantly like flummoxed that other people were like making it, having success, finding success, feeling successful um, in their jobs. And I would look at them and think, are they smarter than me? Do they have more social skills and things like that? And it was always feeling like, what don't I have? And it was after questioning that and running into like 10 people that I knew relatively well in my inner circle that they were like, yeah, your job sounds really hard or it's really crazy that I was like, oh, maybe it's not me. Maybe it's them. And I think like the biggest thing, like in terms of advice is to not start with the assumption that it's you, but rather to start with the assumption that it's them. Because I feel like the the work life, corporate, it like industrial complex just feasts off of like people like you and me who are overachievers and just always assume automatically assume that it's us. And I think that's the biggest thing that has changed for me over time is just being braver about and and more kind to myself in the way that I'm just like assuming that they need to flex to me not the other way around yeah and I think too like we can talk about the importance of friendships in the workplace Mm -hmm. um, or at least having someone hopefully that you can trust and confide in and talk in because you know in processing this experience and honestly there's a lot of stuff I blacked out and as we're talking about it, I'm like remembering, but I think it's so important, the friendship that we created from it, because I can't imagine going through what I went through and not having yeah. like you and Zoe um, to discuss it with and like be like, no, you're not being like ridiculous. Yeah. Um, we are being gaslit. And I know in the beginning there was times too, you talked about like wanting me to come to my own conclusions and not like throw at this on me when yeah. I just started. Um, but I just think it's really important to have that kind of person in your workplace if you can, because that's going to also like no one else can understand the situation unless they're in it. And so mm-hmm. if you have someone that's also in it, that can be so validating for your yeah. feelings. Exactly. Like I, I would not have been in that job as long as I had been without you and Zoe in it for sure. 
um, just purely because we were able to look at each other when things were going sideways in meetings. We were getting gaslit or we were getting told that like, you know, we weren't doing enough and things like that. And I think also because we literally shared an office, we had a front row seat to exactly what each of us is was working on every day. And so because we had that insight into like exactly what we all were doing, we were able to create a collective truth amongst ourselves that I think saved us from the gaslighting. Like, I mean, before Zoe was there and it was just me and this other, the the person who had started the, the satellite office, I literally was like, I'm never going to make it in corporate America. Like I was like, cry. there was one room that didn't have windows in it. Like it was all glass. Yes. <laughs> and it was like, I, I'm not joking. It was our cry room. Like, no, like 100%. <laughs> it was the only room that didn't have windows and the door locked. And it was like, every once in a while, you just see one of us go in there and just like turn off the light, like no light on, just like sitting in the dark, just being like upset for like 30 minutes because it was so high stressed. It was insane. I remember sitting there too in the dark trying to work myself up to do my first um, like cold call. <laughs> uh, so that's also a fun experience. I think we should talk a little bit too about like the industry that it was because um, I think we both are naturally like very curious people. We both have psych backgrounds. Yeah. So talk a little bit about what market research is and why you love it and kind of what drew you to it. Yeah. So market research is the study of the market. Um, typically the, the way that you and I talked about it or were brought up in it, it is the measure of people and how they move those markets. So understanding like why someone would purchase a certain product and maybe be more likely to purchase that over another person or, you know, like why might someone be loyal to one brand and not another? So answering kind of very, um, like, I don't know, soft people questions was kind of what it was about as well as like, you know, we'd use statistical methods and things like that to, um, measure people sentiment, what their purchase rates were, things like do pricing studies, a ton of, ton of things like that. And I think both of us with having psych backgrounds, it's like a natural transition from yeah. a psychology degree into business. Yeah. Um, and it's basically like applying the psychological research process to consumer behavior. Yeah. Which and is fascinating. Yeah. And you said it w- much better than I did. I like took a smattering of things, but we should cut that and put <laughs> your definition in instead of mine. I'm like, you know, the things. It is. It's hard to define, though, because you can yeah. apply it like both of us are in different industries now, but still like you're doing it a little bit more directly. But I basically still do it from like a different perspective every day because yeah. now I'm in development and now mm-hmm. I have to think about, you know, what the clients are buying and why based on their audiences, which is consumer behavior. Yeah. Um, and I think like we're both in industries and applications of market research that are just a lot more fascinating to us too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just a cool, like, I don't know. We nerd out over it. We totally nerd out over it. I, I love, I can't believe that this is a job. Like I, um, exited college and I thought I was going to be an IO psychologist. So I exited college. I got my first job because a lot of like my TAs and like 
grad students had told me like unless you know exactly what you're doing in grad school don't go and so I fell into that category and I was like okay I have to do IO psychology which is the study of um, people in workplaces and so companies like NASA would hire um, an IO psychologist to essentially like measure their people in different ways and so then when I found out that market research was a thing where you could essentially connect people's behavior, their attitudes, like their decision-making to the dollars that they're spending, I all of a sudden, like, I don't know, it just felt like a truth that had been missing out there for me um, and, like, a question of, like, what I was going to do with my life. And once I found it, I was like, this is it because I am just very innately curious about why people do the things that they do and how they make their decisions differently from not mine. I'm infinitely curious about that. Yeah, and IO stands for Industrial Organizational Psychology. Psychology. Thank you. Yeah. Um, it's actually one of my worst grades in college. Oh, really? <laughs> but I was fascinated by it. I, uh, it was just a night class, and oh, yeah. girl, I'm not a night owl. It was like <laughs> 7 to 10 p.m. It was rough. It was like a three-hour class, too, mm. and I was always so hungry, like right after practice. But it is like super fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say? Because you you said it's basically like a dream that you're getting to do this. Like what would be your dream job? Because I think the industry you're in, which is like the fitness industry. Yes. Mm-hmm. Is also like we're both very passionate about that. Yes. So if you could like describe your dream job or is this kind of your dream job right now? Yeah, I I guess I like don't I don't have like. A, I mean, honestly, a dream job for me is like flower farming with no one else around me, but that's just the introvert and the recluse in me. But I think as far as like, like dream jobs go, this is pretty good. Um, I really wanted to do market research for um, a company that was bettering the world, having like had so many clients at, at the place that we had worked in in the as like a market research vendor where it was like ooh, it's really hard to sleep at night knowing that I help them you know sell more sugar to kids or you know helped our other client you know uh beat out this this startup that's actually doing good things in the world like it was not um it was not conducive to like excuse me a good night's sleep um yeah, it was not conducive to a good night's sleep working there. But I think now, like, having, like, I think it's so important to connect. And I, I get that now. And I know it's it's a privilege. I, I know having come up in the industry that we have and the toxic workplaces that we have, that actually working in a place where you are passionate about the mission is such a privilege. And so I, like, hesitate even saying, like, work in something that you're passionate about because it it's like yeah not everyone has that opportunity so I'm grateful to have something that's closer than that and fitness like I mean I like the company I work at right now we sell fitness equipment and subscriptions and it's it's just so fun to wake up every day and figure out how do I get people to better their life you know work out more rest more uh figure out their sleep it's it's amazing. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Um, mainly the clients that we were working with were CPG. And now that I'm, I'm not going to say like true crime is a passion. 
but it's it's definitely like something I'm very <laughs> innately interested in. So that it's just it's interesting how much more everything flows when you're like interested in it. Yes. Um so there's so much synergy there. There's so much like like if you just think about your energy and I'm going to get woo woo for a second, but like if you just think about like your energy and how easy it is to like De- get derailed in all of these people that you're helping I don't know let me think about this but I, I think it's like when I think you're passionate about what you're selling or the benefit of what you're selling has on consumers you I at least I feel like okay this is gonna be a stretch and it's gonna be I don't know if I'm gonna explain this well because obviously like true crime is not like beneficial <laughs> But I think what makes me really passionate about making sure that I'm understanding what different audiences want is because it's not just about finding the product or in this, like my job, the TV show um, that's Mm going to fit that audience. But in my dream world, it's about growing that audience um, and exposing them to stories that they might not already like or would not normally get exposed to. Yeah. Um, and so I guess using market research space, it's like, what's the white space? Like, how can we grow our audience? I don't know. It's just like very interesting strategically, but then I'm also very passionate about like the impact telling these stories has. And I can imagine a similar thing for you and like, yes, you're selling fitness equipment, but like the benefit that that has on people's lives, obviously like fitness Oh, it's it's so important. Yeah. Like the stories that I come across, cause I get to do consumer research. So I get to do surveys and qualitative research. And so I get to ask people cool questions about their fitness journey, such as like, what was the moment that changed your life? You know, and to hear someone talk about like the moment that they got a piece of equipment and now they work out, you know, once a day and they kind of like recovered a part of themselves is so rewarding. And like coming like that, I mean, alone is rewarding, but like coming back to like, why that I think it's like I it's just all of my energy all of my soul all of my being can get behind what I'm doing every day like I don't have Sunday scaries anymore as a result which is like huge for just yeah quality of life <laughs> just in general yeah I'm interested because I think we're both very driven people mm-hmm. and we're always assessing like where we are, where we're yeah. going to go, how <laughs> we're going to grow. Like what's the next move? You more than me though. Like, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm not giving myself enough credit there, but I, I feel like you are at least more, uh, organized with how you do that. Like, I mean, I was listening to your pod and I was like the journal system. I was like, Dang, like, like I'd never heard anyone journal like that before. And I was like, I need to make this happen in my life right now. It's so inconsistent. I was telling one of my (laughs) friends this and she's like, oh, maybe if you stuck to one journal, you'd be more consistent. No, because I can tell you what our brain type looks like in one journal because I have mine. So mine is like all emotions about anything all the time just dumped in one place. So like reading back through it it almost confirms to me that I'm a crazy person because there's like really high highs and really low lows in there and it's just like such extremes so like you know you'll read one month and it'll just be like kind of crazy 
drama or whatever whatever I'm like mulling over like thinking about in the background just meditating on and then the next month it'll be like everything's amazing everything's great and it's like do I have bipolar when I read this thing I'm like maybe I'm more neurodivergent than I first thought I feel bad for whoever has to write my like biography when I go based (laughs) on my journal entries because they're gonna have to like parcel together like the timelines from like five different journals um so I'm interested like how because this is something I've been really trying to work on but staying like how would you say you work through like staying happy and staying present while still like working on growing because I think it's definitely a balance between you know you don't want to be so focused on the future and planning that you miss out on the present yeah I think that's a needle like that is so it's so tough to thread and I probably will be threading that needle trying to for the rest of my life um just having come out of a period of time when like So like when I moved away from General Mills and I got my new job, I was so fulfilled in my career. Um, I was getting paid a lot more than I had previously. So like on all fronts I was winning, I'm fully remote now, like much higher income, like theoretically had it all from like a job perspective. And I just went through this season of life of just being very dissatisfied of like, I don't have the house that I want or I don't have like a car. Like I'm still using the car that I got out of college, which paid off and it's amazing from like a financial standpoint. But I definitely have those thoughts still. And I feel like it's it's something that's going to be hard for me to thread forever. I'm just like, I easily become restless. I easily become dissatisfied. And that I think propensity propels me into like growth. Like I'm always trying to optimize or change it up. How would you say then, like, do you have any tips and tricks for balancing all of that? I would say we're both pretty type A. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I think it's easy to like work yourself into a a flurry. Yeah. Um, So how would you say you work on like balancing all of this and making sure that you have balance between like have fun mm-hmm. um, and we'll talk about like the entrepreneurial side but like your job and your entrepreneurial side and your hobbies and your yeah like all this stuff I think for me it's it's been like more frequent checking in um, with myself like I, I have a calendar appointment now on my phone that's every three months I have to reassess so like similar to like maybe your unique journaling style like my goal style is is fairly unique for myself like most people will set goals for the year and I just can't focus on something for that long of a period of time I've tried and at the end of every year I would feel sad and I would like reignite hope and I think it was after like three or five years of having like the same dang goals that I was like this is not working And I think I find that balance because at the three month mark, when I like set my goal and then three months later, I go and see if I did it, I can choose to continue that goal if I want to extend it further or it gives me that check in point of like, does this serve me? Is this serving me? Is this what I want to do and give myself permission to walk away And like we were talking about earlier, like with like I just admire Zoe so much because she's like, this isn't serving me. This isn't for me. 
you know, for one reason or another. And so she walked away from it. And I, I felt like I was in that job for so long because I had never checked in if it was serving me. So I feel like that's how I've coped with the balance of that. And, and one of the ways that I've kind of changed because I was like, this isn't working for me. I need to do much more frequent check-ins. I like that. I think I just put out my goals episode and I feel like that's one thing I need to implement more of because I make all these goals and all these categories, but really my main check-in is like after a year and that's like a long time. It's a long time. Yeah. And like I talked about in my episode, like things change and maybe that goal isn't relevant anymore because maybe you're super duper single and then you finally meet someone. (laughs) (laughs) It came me. Um, And then your goal changes on that front. So. Yeah. And I feel like I, I have to give myself that permission to check in because that's like the A type thing that we're talking about where it's like once I said it it's very much like a real thing in my mind it's not like I don't know what those b-type people do but my husband is a b-type so I feel like I can speak for at least him um but he's very much like oh if it's not serving me you know just kind of like walks away from it or forgets about it for me it's like a thing I can feel it it's like so real that like when that whole year passes and nothing happens with it it's like this big emotional thing for me where it was like oh my god I didn't do it yeah and you need I think that built in like constructive criticism of yourself or just like taking a step back and thinking like you said does this serve me or why am I not doing it yes to bring in market research speech what's the barriers and the bridges (laughs) to my my goal right now (laughs) um yeah I don't know it's interesting because thinking back like I stayed an a whole other year like after you left at that job how did you do that and it's like I I checked in with myself and I knew I needed to leave but it was so scary and like also it was the pandemic Mm -hmm. which was just scary in general I mean we can Mm -hmm. layer on like the loneliness and all the other things that we all experienced during the pandemic um But I was so like underwater that I couldn't even fathom putting the mental and physical energy into finding a new opportunity while I was in this opportunity. And also like I it was it was just terrifying because I felt like who was going to want me. And it was interesting, like in the interview processes, like I interviewed for a lot of jobs like after that job. Yeah. And I was told at one interview that I was (gasps) a flight risk. I remember this. Oh my God, you have to tell them about this because it is absolutely absurd. Like, I mean, that experience was just, I, yeah. w- I was floored. Like, yeah. when you told, I was like, how absolutely, inip- I think I like, did I yell on the phone after you told me that? That I was just like so mad at that company. I mean, I was already feeling like very much less than for having left. Um, I was at my prior company for a year and a half. Granted, it was my first job out of school, but I was there a year and a half. I was not there for two months. Yeah. Like I was not there for like four days. It was a yeah. year and a half. And I interviewed at this company and they basically said, we think you're a flight, flight risk because you left after a year and a half, which in today's day and age and especially so our rude. generation, I feel like two years is kind of like the benchmark and then people move on to new opportunities. Sometimes it's a year. Like it's very yeah. normal. I started applying after my first job 
after nine months. I mean, those entry level jobs are brutal for most people. Like, and so for you to have made it a year and a half in your first ever role, I thought was an accomplishment, an achievement by our generation standards. Like, I don't know what it, like, I know elder millennials that are much older than me that switch jobs every two years. So, and I like, I had gotten promoted within there. Like I was a manager level at that point. Yep. So it wasn't like I like was in the same position the whole time. Yeah. That was like very demoralizing, but I just want to say that. that is so normal to jump. And I think it's very important. One, it is the oh. only way to go up in income. It really is. Um, I think we would all be sitting way lower if we'd never jumped. Like yep. we've all doubled yes. our income at least. Yes. Um, and so that's important. But two, I just think having perspective, especially going to different industries, is just so important for your own like career growth. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, that's a fun little story I kind of forgot about. Oh, my God. I forgot away. about that. I just became enraged all over <laughs> again, as my husband likes to say. But like I I was so absolutely howling enraged at the gall that that took for someone to say that because it's such an old-fashioned mindset out there like I I do remember like when I graduated I was in my first role we had hired in a recruiter who was like a lady who was like 54 years old and she was she was kind of off her rocker and I remember looking at her resume and it was like every year she changed to a different recruiting firm and I remember thinking I'm never going to be like that person I'm going to find a place and stay there just like my parents and here I am like the crazy lady that they had hired in every two two and a half years three years I switch it up because one I do find like a lot of satisfaction in variety and and doing different things and also like from just a financial standpoint every time I leave I get like a 40 percent increase in income it's it's like which if you think about your usual like five percent raise like how many years of five percent are you gonna spend to get to 40 I mean that's like eight years essentially obviously you're like compounding on that but still like one jump versus eight years yeah there is nothing and no reason for people to stay at jobs that aren't giving them adequate raises like you know like if you're if they're making you work so hard for three percent get out like you gotta you gotta advocate for yourself you've got to find something better So I know like Rachel walked in for this and said, let's talk about the patriarchy. So I want to talk about the patriarchy, but (laughs) before I, we jump into that, just very small topic. Um, I think it's interesting because, you know, we both have experienced this kind of like, and this is especially from women and like boomer Mm -hmm. women Mm -hmm. of like, you need to suck it up. And you need to struggle and you need to suffer like I did through. Yes. And I think our generation is pushing back on that and like refusing. Yeah. Um, And I know in my experience, the most like aggression and 
I don't know what the right word is, but just negativity that I've experienced in the workplace is from other women. Yes. Yes. Wholeheartedly. We need to talk about the patriarchy because that's just like blind, like just absolute idiocy. But like the women and the the like pain suffered at the hands of other women are probably some of the most acute traumas that I have experienced in my life. Um, because like it, I feel like that generation and I hate saying that generation, but like, I feel like those women had to be tough as nails. I mean, they had to like box out someone else at the table to get a seat. And even then it was like, so shaky to be in the boys club or to be able to have a voice at in their roles and positions that they had to be so tough but I think the way that our generation is and has understood that has been taken so like like we think that there's something wrong with ourselves because we don't feel that same aggression I guess in the workplace yeah that we need to then inflict on someone else. Like that's the biggest thing that I've noticed with like, it's like they don't even know they're like a prism and it's just getting passed through them. Like whatever they experienced during their upbringing through corporate America, they're just like acutely focusing on other women. Whereas like, I feel like when I, you know, and we can we can interview some other women that work around me or or talk to <laughs> others but like i feel like i try to protect and be as candid as possible and say like like hey this is what's going on in this meeting this is why you're you know having this kind of reaction from your boss here's what i've done you know to deal with that it's like so i'm so protective of like younger women because of the trauma that we experience of just like other women pushing too hard, making us feel bad because we wanted um, time to ourselves when we came home instead of work. Like, I mean, there was just so much shame and guilt put on us from that other generation of women, which was surprising and disappointing. I think it's like, obviously we're not trying, trying to like stereotype Mm -mm. a whole generation but Mm -mm. in all of that I still try to hold like respect and sympathy for yeah an understanding of why this person or why this whole group of people are acting the way they could and or they are and I think obviously like you said you have to fight tooth and nail to get you know where you are especially in leadership positions yeah so I always try to like hold that space, but I think you can too like reject it. Yeah. Like we don't need to also like go through that same stuff. Um, And especially with like the, you know, switching jobs more frequently. I think that's also a piece of like, you're going up the ladder faster. Yeah. And I don't want to like suffer through here for the next 25 years. Yeah. I mean, that's a huge part like speaking of like not knowing when something is not for you is I think like I would say you have to trust your gut more like if it doesn't 
feel right to you, pay attention the first time, not the 25th time that it's happening. Because that's how I've gotten stuck in roles where I'm like, shoot, like I got this bad vibe from like my boss forever ago, like years ago. And now I'm still here wondering if it's me. And it's like, no girl. (laughs) That just reminded me of probably one of the worst stories that you've ever told me about like your old manager asking you there's anything new happening in your life oh my god yes like this is I'll let Rachel say it but this is just like the epitome of what we of women have to endure basically like my manager I had a one-on-one with him we had just come back into the office once post-covid and I have some serious like stomach issues and so like my stomach gets distended sometimes because I have a lot of like gut issues that I need to figure out. But it oftentimes might look like I'm pregnant, but really I've just had a large lunch plus gas. <laughs> like that is like the real, real of it. Okay. And I'm cool with that. However, like I saw my manager once in person because I was hired virtually through the pandemic and then I was brought in role and I never saw him in person. So after the first time of him seeing me, like soon after that, we had a one-on-one and he was like, do you have anything new going on in your life? That's how he opened the meeting. And I was legitimately confused. I was like, So my husband and I got engaged, but you know about that because that's been like three months. And so we are getting married. And so I was legitimately confused by his question. And then he asked it again. But really, like, what do you have going on in your life? Once again, I was very confused. I was like, what? Nothing is really new. And I'm like getting nervous at this point because I'm like, what is going on? You're like, what does he want me to say? Mm-hmm. He proceeds to ask six more times. Six. It was like a total of eight times that this man asked me, what do you have going on in your life? Tell me what's new. But tell me what's new. And I was so confused. Like, literally, this will tell you, like, I'm just so gullible sometimes. I'm like, what is he asking? And my husband had been like, my husband had been walking past my office and he was like, he thought that you were pregnant. That's what he was asking about. And as soon as he said that, I was like, oh my God, because Jack had known that I had gone in person and I was just floored. I was just absolutely floored by just the inquisition and the the imposition and the actual like, what if you never wanted to talk about your pregnancy with your boss what if it was before 12 weeks when like generally the baby could still be like it could still be a miscarriage and beyond that like you know like let's not even get into healthcare stuff like maybe it wasn't her time and she could have had an abortion or it could have just been a burrito like for real. Maybe it's like none of his business. Maybe it's Maybelline. Like the I like <laughs> Yeah, I remember you telling me that and I was just like like speechless. Yeah. Well, actually, so the hot tea on that. So, 
I actually wrote up that incident um, when I left because they had an HR like survey that you filled out and they asked you questions on there like, why are you leaving? And I cited that incident. Of course, I still have friends that work there and apparently HR did talk to him about it, but they didn't like it was completely anonymous. So then he was going around to all of his female on like people who were direct reporting into him and asking if he was like being sexist to them in any way or something like that. So, I mean, I mean, did he learn anything? I don't know. If you're going around asking your employees if you're being <laughs> sexist, one, the odds that they're going to give you an honest answer if you are like senior to them, low. Two, <laughs> that's probably the answer to your question. Yeah, the answer is probably yes. Um, yeah, and Yikes. I was, it was so overt. I, I just, I couldn't believe it. But I mean, that's the, that's the shit people, women put up with on the day to day in the office. Like I've been floored so many times, like, you know, I've had male colleagues literally only comment on what I'm wearing and that's their main form of interaction with me. I know we're talking about all this and we'll bleep all like identifying information from yeah. it. But, you know, some people might say, oh, well, you're being catty or you're talking about, you know, certain things. I think it's really important as women, just like I say this about like the financial piece for us to like share our stories and share yeah. realities. And these were our realities. These were our experiences. Yeah. And I think we have a right to talk about them. Obviously, like, we're not going and slandering and naming no specifics but like we have a right and I think it is important because again like we were talking about in our first job together even if you don't work at the same place sharing these experiences is so validating and helps you identify you know things that may be happening to you in your own workplace and you're yeah. like oh shit yeah I'm not crazy or I knew this I had like a weird feeling about the way that this came off or because it's, you know, it's really how it comes off to you and how it makes you feel. And if it doesn't make you feel good, it doesn't make you feel safe. Like that's validation. Yeah. I, th I think I agree a hundred percent, like maybe 200% because I think the industrial complex that is corporate America feasts off of people not talking to one another. I mean, just look at like all of the conversation that's happening about sharing salaries now like like loud budgeting yes like loud budgeting because there's so much to be gained and learned from your peers about how they manage things or their experiences and I just I think that being hush hush about these experiences that we have while it may sound like catty it's not because it is like real experiences that then you can see like, oh, maybe the time that my boss asked me about like kids at home or, you know, a potential pregnancy or the shape of, you know, my, you know, belly, whatever it is, like we can translate that and hopefully like make someone else and help someone else notice like. It's not okay. Right. When toxicity and, and the patriarchy is really <laughs> impacting your life in a really significant way. 
another one of my favorite things ever to talk about with Rachel is clean products. Oh my gosh. I could talk forever. Health, wellness, yeah, all this stuff. So about a year ago, Rachel and I were on a walk and she... Luma, shush. <laughs> You're killing the vibes here. Um, and she showed me this app called Yuka, which is Y-U-K-A. And... Literally, I think like right after we went on that walk, we went to Target and we're like <laughs> scanning everything. It's the most fun thing ever. Um, but ever since then, like it's something you're really passionate about yeah. and that's kind of rubbed off on me and I've completely changed like a lot of my household project products and a lot of my beauty products. So how did you kind of get into that and what initially made you interested or even like begin to start educating yourself? Yeah, <laughs> I love Luma. Oh my gosh. Um, so I, um, struggled with acne for many, many years, like starting when I was like 15, I want to say I like got really painful cysts on like my forehead and then it spread to other areas of my body. And, um, like there was, there's so much trauma that comes along with having such severe acne and a lot of like self-blame like we've already talked about that and like my my home life was not conducive it was very supportive of that self-blame for for my acne and I was put on a lot of antibiotics when I was younger because I was being perceived as like you're just a dirty teenager you know like (laughs) And, like, I say that knowing, like, I shower every single day, right? Like, just clarifying maybe that, that I'm not actually a a dirty person. Um, But it was so severe. And beyond that, I have OCD and dermatillomania, which means, like, if there's a raised spot on my skin, I very much want to pick it off and have it be smooth and so it's just kind of this neurodivergent part of me that's also interacting with the acne part that made it so much more so much worse and more severe than I think a lot of cases of acne what would you say was like the main resource that you kind of started looking into for learning about the stuff you already had or good replacements for them yeah um so like I had like there was I think a documentary on HBO um maybe a couple years ago during the pandemic that was about clean products or some of the products that we had used previously I we're gonna have to go and look up what what the documentary is but um there was an episode that I had watched and it was all about baby powder and talc and how baby powder used to be made from talc. And the story goes that they, like the manufacturers of baby powder essentially use talc, which grows in nature with asbestos. And obviously asbestos causes some gnarly lung cancers if you inhale it. And so the episode kind of went into detail around this and they essentially were talking about how 
they would measure two tablespoons, two tablespoons of talc. They would put it under a microscope that wasn't powerful enough to see asbestos. And if they didn't find asbestos, which they couldn't see it on the microscope, it would certify two tons of talc as being asbestos free. And I was just floored. I was like, there's no way that this is true. And when I went and looked into it, sure enough, like talc has been aggressively removed from like eyeshadows in natural products. Most baby powders actually aren't talc anymore. They're cornstarch. And so it all started with the baby powder is where I kind of got my inclination to kind of see if this was true. Um, And then, you know, that was kind of like the gateway product that then made me question everything else. Yeah. I don't know why, like all of a sudden, I mean, you've been talking about it for a while and then I just, I think once I started looking into it, like you were saying, it's like the gateway. Yeah. And then like the Yuka app made it so digestible and mm-hmm. understandable. And I think I, some good data visualization. Which yes. <laughs> as a data person, I was like, oh my gosh, the score, the coloring. Yeah the like information in there and so I just kind of went around scanned like everything in my house yeah and then was horrified and then immediately went to Target and tried to get some stuff so I know there's a lot of brands that I've kind of found that I've loved but what are some of your favorite brands or the the things that you found to replace um in your household yeah I yeah I love Yuka it's such a user-friendly experience like oh my god you have to get it because it's so easy to like scan stuff I think like in terms of the products that I switched out that I feel like have made the biggest impact is for one my laundry detergent like don't think about it but there's so so many bad laundry detergents out there as well as ones that are bad and greenwash. So they look like they don't have as many chemicals in it or whatever. And actually, in fact, they might have more. And um, it's just, you know, like you buy that laundry detergent and it's 90% water. Like most of that jug that you buy if you're buying liquid is just water. So it's like a waste of money it's a waste of the planet like shipping this water around that you could just fill up at home and then furthermore it's just incredibly toxic and because it's on all your clothes you're just sitting there soaking in it all day and I've actually noticed significant improvement in like my husband's allergies my allergies like our breathing in our home just by changing um, the laundry detergent I think that's one And then the second one would be kind of like my bath products. So like my shampoo, conditioner, um, and body wash are all like EWG certified. Um, I have to say, like, I think my favorite brand is Honest. Yeah, they have a lot of great stuff. (sighs) They're so good. Yeah. EWG is the Environmental Working Group, and that's a great, like, online resource to look into. I think um, one of the most shocking things for me was like we were talking about the greenwashing seeing things that had been labeled as clean like I was shopping at Sephora last week for example and there's products that have the little green label on them that are like these are clean products um maybe I won't name the specific brand (laughs) not that they're ever gonna find this 
Um, (laughs) But like, okay, Summer Fridays, for example, that gets a green label on Sephora. It's a very popular, it's a very hot, trendy brand right now. But then you you actually start looking into the ingredients of it and it's horrible for you. Mm -hmm. Like it literally their um, lip balm is labeled as green and I think it's like a four out of a hundred. Yeah. Which the lower the number, the like worse it is. Yeah. Um, and it just goes to show too that like you can't just like trust these labels that companies are putting on mm-hmm. even within a brand, you know, a clean brand can be clean, but that doesn't mean every single product in that brand is clean or yeah. even like a brand like elf, which obviously it's a pretty cheap drugstore brand. You would think, okay, probably not the cleanest brand. There's some like products in there yeah. that do rank pretty well. So you just have to do so much research, which is why Yuka is like a great app, but it's yeah. made me a lot more like, I guess, questioning of yes. everything that I've had around me. Um, and it is an investment. Like it is more expensive yeah. to do this, but I think it's like an important investment. And I'm just at this point where I want to invest and put my money into certain areas of my life over others. And this is definitely one of them yeah I think like the products that you have and like once you start down this path it kind of just becomes like once you figure out one product then it's easier to figure out the next one and the next one and pretty soon you look around at like I notice it when I go to visit like other people's homes people who are like less initiated in terms of like all of the chemicals and you realize how far you've come because you're like oh my gosh they're like burning a a candle that's not beeswax and soy and it probably is releasing the like deadliest fumes and causing asthma i have a candle that's literally going in the background to you (laughs) literally (laughs) i'm killing you slowly no i mean it's definitely like such a work in progress and like for example i have this candle going right now that probably has the candle like I was thinking all about. the toxins in it that you can think of um I didn't even think of that and then that that goes to show like there's so many areas that I you don't even think of and you kind of have to slowly replace <laughs> <laughs> you're like god dang she like um, comes in my house she's like she's burning it <laughs> I didn't even think about that tonight that's the hilarious part it's like I did not even realize <laughs> that's going <sighs> I was thinking about another friend's house who like she has like scented everything. I mean, it's Bath and Body Works everywhere, everywhere. And I actually like have to ask her to stop burning candles in her house because they give me migraines like this one is fine. I don't know what that's (laughs) maybe you target you lucked out. But (laughs) Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, those kinds of places like we have this obsession, especially the U S with like scented things yep. and scenting everything. And one of the easiest switches that you can do is switching to something that's unscented fragrance free. Often mm-hmm. that's going to make a huge impact. And yes, it's like nice to smell nice, but you can definitely find like other ways. Some of my favorite brands, like honest, I have a lot of makeup from them. Um, bath products. Yeah. You, it's funny because you have to go to the baby section at Target to get their like shampoo and conditioner. Yeah. Which Carl and I always laugh when we go get it because it's like <laughs> going to the baby section yeah. to get him shampoo. <laughs> um, but what else? Like Say Beauty is really great. Um, there's There are options out there and you mm-hmm. just like have to do your research. But it's so like I 
feel better like putting it on my skin beauty counter is another really good one that has a lot of clean products that actually work well because i think that's the other thing is is finding natural products that function in the way that you want and a little bit is like a little bit of what you're assessing is how well does it work you know and then can i get the free chemicals too, like chemical free at least that's how i think through my hierarchy is like yeah i think i just started to think what are the products that i am exposing myself the most to every single day so that's my beauty products uh, my deodorant mm-hmm. and then laundry detergent dishwasher detergent yeah. which is a whole nother thing because you know you're washing your dishes and eating off I of them i haven't figured that one out yet which brand do you use for that i think it's called rosie so i get a lot of my stuff off thrive market mm-hmm. um that's a good place and it's just a powder that i put in and i think it does a pretty good job um i think it's or no maybe that's a different brand molly suds that's mm. what i use for my okay um laundry okay that's good to know because we're trying to figure that out because we used a brand that was like very natural and it didn't end up working from a laundry front like things just came out dingy and and not as clean smelling uh it just seemed like it wasn't doing the job so i'll have to try that out and with a couple questions oh goody okay yeah so my first question is what's a book that you've read recently or it could be within any time frame that you feel like impacted you in a big way yeah I'm not as extensive of a reader as you are um you were talking about that on the last pod and I was like I am much slower than you but I feel like um I really did and do relate to reading women adventure books um and so uh the one that I'm, I'm thinking of is by Cheryl Strayed what that is i just didn't know who wrote it because yes is that is a good book easiest thing yeah i can remember um her the author's name but not the title but yeah it was wild um and i yeah you've read it have you read it yeah, yeah. did you listen to my uh goals episode where i was talking about how i have yes. this weird obsession with reading pct books this yes. is why we're like so oh, similar oh my god we are yes i did listen to that and i was like jesus we're the same person they're so good <laughs> they're so good they're so good it's i want to do it so badly or a portion of it at the very least i feel like i'm really good at walking and being alone so like i want to read every pct memoir there is yeah but i have like no desire to do it to actually go and do it yeah I I think that's where we differ because I would do it in a heartbeat. Really, I do like the idea that there's less people around. Like I'm never going to, you're never going to catch me saying I want to move to like LA or New York. Like I'm just not that person. But like there is something to be said of like I'm, you know, like a, a beach girl or like I like forests or things like that. I've always, always been drawn to the mountains. Like I just, I love that they are like, this proverbial challenge that's just hanging out in the landscape just constantly and that there are adventures like waiting that's how it feels for me so it's a very exciting geography place to be in i have a couple book recs for you that i've read send them my way that are like really good yeah but yeah no i definitely feel you in that sense and it's interesting i've as i've 
graduated college each year I've slowly moved farther out of the city yeah (laughs) and now I'm like very much properly in the suburbs yeah and you know you can make jokes about the suburbs because I think that they have their their own rep but it is so nice it is so quiet yeah there's space Mm -hmm. there's no traffic which there really isn't traffic in Minnesota anyway but yeah I yeah there's something to be said like don't sleep on the suburbs like I think they get a bad rap and I really think they're as like there's a lot of benefits that and reasons why people move here like don't forget that because I think it can be an um, unpopular opinion that you have to be in the city or rural but like this is a very nice life and spot that you have here yes I feel very very lucky the one thing I'll say is I do Mm -hmm. wish it was walkable like it's very walkable to like walk that's fair but walkable to like I could walk to the gym yeah that's fair that's That's my only yeah but that's not what the suburbs are yeah yeah that's literally the definition yeah (laughs) (laughs) I mean that's that's so fair like I think you know we're in that time in our life like I still feel this too where it's like sometimes I wish I could walk places but more and more I'm just being propelled out of the city there's just less for me there as like you and I move away from like going out and being much more like I feel like more of my time is spent with like family than friends which I I haven't made up my mind if that's a good or bad thing but I mean it's just the truth of it and as I start to like build our own family and start thinking about that it's becoming much more like centered focus around like what we need and less around like the amenities that are near us if that makes sense it's so exciting like even in these last five years to get to experience all these different phases of life because when we met each other you were just a girlfriend oh my gosh I was you were not a homeowner (laughs) I was so single (laughs) um and so it's just really fun to get to like experience these phases of life together and yeah eventually get to the phase of building our own families but getting to Oh my gosh. Yeah. Have our kids be friends. Hopefully. I know. I, I'm so appreciative. Like all of the women who stood up in my wedding are just beyond amazing and like such a unique place in my life. But like in terms of like going through young adulthood together, like you and Elizabeth really were like there for me in terms of figuring out this whole like adulting thing. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, it, it's such a blessing to have women like that and to say like I had seven of you stand there next to me kind of and sweating profusely sweating profusely was so hot at my wedding it was unseasonably warm at least you picked a dark color (laughs) otherwise it could have been really bad for the bridesmaid ensemble yeah and oh my god like yeah poor guys in their suit oh my gosh at least I was in like a like shoulderless dress I know Jack he says to me he's like it was okay so we got married in the mountains just for context for everyone else and it was so sunny and it was just like the sun was setting over the mountains but it was like 3 p.m when this was or something like that it was so hot and I remember Jack saying like after the day after our wedding, he was like, I was listening to your vows. And at the same time, I was fairly certain that my foot was on fire in my leather shoe in direct sunlight. Like, (laughs) 
And I'm like, so you didn't hear any of my vows? And he's like, no, no, I caught some words. But he was like, I literally looked down to see if my foot was on fire. It was so hot. Uh, Rachel got married at Jackson Lake Lodge in the Grand Tetons, which was absolutely an iconic location. It was. For a wedding. But yes, I was fairly certain that when I went back down the aisle after the ceremony, there would just be a puddle (laughs) where I was standing. Like, I don't think I've sweat more in my entire life. And then we had to do pictures after (laughs) (laughs) and oh my god did I tell you about the photographer so like there was right so the sun is streaming over this like hedge that's not quite high enough to like block the sun for the rest of us and so at one point I literally I got like gotta show you but I like squatted down right like the hedge is behind me and I, I was just squatting down in my wedding dress and like the photographer was like ushering people in and out so it was like a break for me in between people and she was like, are you peeing? Like, she's like <laughs> mouthing this to me. And I was like, I wish, but no, like I do have to pee right now. But I was I like, I'm not even drunk yet. Yeah. And it's like the middle of this lawn, like with the whole like hotel looking over me. I was like, that would have been a bold move to just squat and pee. <laughs> I think one of my favorite moments, I mean, obviously I loved every moment of your wedding, but I remember we were waiting to take photos and a little girl came up to you and wanted to take a picture with you. Mm -hmm. And she was like so shy and her dad was like, don't bother the bride. And you're like, it's fine. Um, And you'd grown up going there and you're like, I remember watching brides when I was a little girl and now you are. And like, that like makes you want to cry a little bit. Oh my God. I'm not going to lie. But (laughs) the fact that you like took the time out of the day to like I know that made her day and I just can imagine like her when she's grown up you know thinking back on that and it's just such a full circle moment for you and yeah I really I mean like I do try like to remember what it was like you know in a lot of different parts of my life stop looking like you're gonna cry you're gonna make (laughs) me cry (laughs) um I really do like you know, in, in my career, but then also I think it's important to remember what it is to be a kid and like what was so important and impactful to you when you were a kid, um, and the moments that mattered and try to recreate that for, for other people and other women coming up through. Cause I feel like every generation we get better and better. Like I'm such a fan of like Gen Z, like, cause they're that much better than we are too. So anyway, yeah, just being like unapologetically yourself mm-hmm. um, and setting healthy boundaries. Yeah. So. Yeah. My got the boundaries work. We're doing that. We're taking one for the team on that with for as far as generations go. It's hard. It's rough. Especially yeah. when you're people a people pleaser. Yeah. But that's like a whole another episode. Yeah. When there's whole other generations who like literally don't understand the word boundary and they yeah it's not even in the vocabulary to have you back on okay i feel like there's so many topics we didn't even get to that oh yeah i want to talk about but i like i said i was so excited to record this because every time rachel and i hang out and go on a walk or just like sit on the couch we could talk for literally hours yeah i feel so much better about my life and like everything after talking to you you're just the best this it's just such good conversation Mm mm-hmm so yeah like I was telling you before this like it's fun to upload it and it's fun to get responses from people but it is the most fun to like just sit here and have these conversations yeah. this was so much fun oh my gosh yeah and I hope you all enjoyed I know it was a long one so if you're still hanging around 
kudos. 